my name is Ginger Ricks. My husband Montel and I have a blended family with three kids. After working in various industries over the last 20 years, I'm a full-time mom now. But how many of you know that whether you work in the field or not at all, you're not just a mom. We women, we wear many hats. And this isn't dress rehearsal either. It's real life, real people, real stories here on The Tripod Mom. So welcome everybody. I wanna thank you for jumping on this evening with The Tripod Mom podcast. My guest tonight is India McHorder. She is a beautiful young woman that I have been watching from afar for several years now. Um, I know her family, we attended the same church for a period of time, but just watching her uh, grow uh, has been such an amazing encouragement to myself that when I thought even about starting the Tripod Mom podcast, I definitely thought about having this young lady on as a guest. Um, I, I have really just not been able to get away from her. <laughs> I constantly see her popping up on my Facebook feed and on my Instagram because this young lady has so many ideas and business ventures going on that she is constantly coming up with um, new things going on in her own life and sharing them with the world. And we want to share that with you tonight. So I definitely want to have her tell her own story. But as I mentioned, um, she's got several businesses that she manages with her and her husband. Some of them she does on her own. She is a mother and she's also an author. So her and her husband recently came out with a book called Marriage Recovery. I'll drop the link and you guys can get the info if you want to uh, check it out yourselves. But India, why don't you start off by saying hello and telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, everybody. I am so honored that the Tripod Mom has asked me to join them tonight and this this night's a podcast and um, a little bit about myself, like Ginger has already stated, I am a, I am a, I'm every woman, I guess that's what you can say. <laughs> it's Insert Whitney Houston. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I do not like to be boxed in, um, in, in any way. Uh, I don't want to just be, I'm just this, I'm just that. I am a wife. I'm a mother. I am an entrepreneur, an author. Um, I am a missionary, I guess you can call it in a sense. Uh, yes. I am, yeah, I try to do all that I can do with this life that God's given me. I want to live a life full. I don't want to die. I don't want to die with any vision, any idea that God's given me, I want it to all be completed. Amen. And so you mentioned that you are married. How long yes. have you and your husband been married now? We've been married now for 11 years. We've been together for 13 years. Wow. I can't believe it's been that long, yeah. even <laughs> since we've known each other. And then you've been married. Wow. And you guys have how many children? We have three girls. Okay. And what are their ages? We have a 14 and 11, she'll be 12 on New Year's Day. And our youngest, she'll be not, she's nine and she's turning 10 on December 1st. So her birthday's in two weeks. Yeah, coming right up, December baby. Okay. We're all December babies around here. Um, so in speaking with you a little bit earlier this week, we were talking about how I had known that you were working somewhere in LA for like a cleaning company or something like that. And um, why don't you share with the listeners, you know, what was going on during that time when you were working for that company and how that propelled you to becoming an entrepreneur? Okay, so I was um, working for MTA. I worked for them for about six and a half years. MTA is the Metropolitan Transportation Authority in Los Angeles. They do the bus and the rails. Um, so they, yeah, they're all around Los Angeles. And I was, I started off in the custodial department. 
um, when I was about 22 years old. I started in custodial. Um, that's the easiest way to get into the company. And actually me and my husband, we both started in that department and we just worked our way up. So I went from transport, I went from custodial to a transportation um, clerk and I started, I got a desk job and I was in that position for a few years before I ended up getting a promotion to the human resources department. So for the last stint at that um, company, I worked in human resources for about two and a half years. And um, I just got very comfortable. And ultimately I took the job so that we could save up because um, I knew that I wanted to have my own business as an event planner. And um, I just said, okay, I'll take the job. That way I can save up and I can start purchasing products and things like that to start building my inventory. I did that and um, the money wasn't that great in the beginning. And we already had three kids when I started that job. So, you know, money was going to the household. I um, mean, it was basically just helping him out because he was doing it all by himself. And I was doing that um, and then was there for three years and didn't save anything for the business. And then I got a promotion. And so I just started getting more and more comfortable and just having a job and the idea of having my own business just completely went out the window. I wasn't even interested anymore in that idea. Um, I just wanted to move up in the company. So what transitioned was um, life happened. <laughs> life happens situations happen and for me which I'm open to talk about now is um in my in our marriage um there was some betrayal and infidelity and so that pain caused me to look at my life and wanted me to get out of routine and wanted me to just really look at are, are you really living living the life that you want to live and all the way around the situation has caused the both of us to grow um within ourselves and individually and so during that time frame of healing um the pain of that pushed me into my purpose and so i would say that what segued me from a nine to five and to become an entrepreneur was was growth and pain Wow. And I didn't know that. So here I was on Facebook, because I don't even think Instagram was like all hype back then, but on Facebook and, and seeing you go through these promotions and watching you and your husband, I believe he went through some promotions as well. And just really like, you know, cheering for you guys on the other end, like, wow, you know, she's moving up and, you know, they're, they seem to be doing really well. And, you know, to know that out of this pain, and then also out of this comfortable state, like working for this job that you knew you really didn't want to end up there, you know, forever. Right. Um, that's how your business got started. So what business did you initially start? Was it the, the first business was the event planning? So ultimately, my goal is to just have an event planning business, but I wanted to be able to provide services within within every aspect so I am a photographer as well um but yeah what's what started everything what dro drove me to want to be an event planner and everything else uh was our wedding I decorated our wedding when we were 20 years old I did everything we had over 200 guests and that's where growing up I never knew what my purpose was I never knew what I wanted to do I didn't know what I was good at all of my siblings have all these amazing talents and they've been knowing for years what they wanted to do and I didn't and you're and so, one of the youngest of am, all of the I'm siblings. The youngest, yes, I'm the youngest girl, and there's yeah. just one boy under me. But he even know he knew from 12 he wanted to be a musician. And I'm just here going through life, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. And um, once I got married, that was like the that was the most thrilling experience, decorating my own wedding and just the ins and outs of it. So I knew at that point, that's why I said when I got the job at 22, I was just getting the job so that I can save up to start buying my inventory because I was just like, yeah, this is what it's going to be. And this is my name and all of that stuff. So, yes, all of that changed. The timing, my timeline, all of that changed. The name of the business changed. And so... Yeah, that's awesome. So what year was that that you actually started the event planning business? And what's the name of it so we can tell our guests? 
I started um, India Camille events in 2018 when I left my job in March. So this upcoming 2021 will be my third year as an entrepreneur completely. Um, it was too hard to juggle a job that I was commuting to because I live in the Inland Empire in Los Angeles is a good 45 without traffic minutes away. So um, it was really hard for me to, to, to see myself juggling a job and starting a business and then a mom and a wife. So there was just, I had to give what went up. And to me, it was really stepping out on faith because when you're, you're not a college graduate and you get a job that is to that level, you know, um, what I was making and, and not having the, to me, people have to get degrees to do what I do. And I didn't have to, yeah. so it was really like, you know, in every aspect, I felt like I was blessed all the way around. So definitely just, you know, like stepping out, like, okay, trust God to do this now. And, and that's what I, that's what I did. And so 2018, I stepped out on faith, quit my job, um, with my husband's support, God blessed him to move up in the company as well. So he is definitely able to support us financially um, without me even having to bring in any, any income. He's able to sustain everything. And so it's just been a blessing. Got it. Got it. And so you do photography also. Um, what other ventures? Because since 2018, that, you know, wasn't that long ago. Yes. But since definitely. then, like I said, you're popping up in my feed. I feel like you're opening a new, you know, <laughs> branch of your business every six months. <laughs> yeah. So it started with that event planning. Then um, I became a photographer in 2012. I started photography um, and I trained with someone who was taking pictures of my family. Okay. He was doing a lot of photography for us and he had been going to a photography school. So I started shadowing him at events and weddings. And so I was like, this will be great aspect to go with the business. So I do photography. And then with me being comfortable, comfortable in photography, once I left the job, I ran into another business venture with a photo booth. And so because photo booth goes hand in hand with photography and event events, yes. it was just another aspect. So we, we started the photo booth business um, six months after I left my job. And so that just picked up so fast and it caused for my husband, Justin, to join me um, and feel more comfortable in the business because it was kind of like my thing. The event planning was my thing. But now with the photo booth, when I do an event, he's over in the corner running the photo booth. So we're always together. Um, every aspect, like, like I said, pain and um, growth is what forced me into just going after my dreams. But in the process, it's caused me and my husband to just grow tighter and tighter together. Um, and so it was definitely a plan and a purpose within it all. So definitely, I feel like this is my purpose and I'm not just chasing some idea because it's just been healthy in every aspect. It's, it's been a blessing to my life more than anything. So I know that I'm in the right field and in my, I'm in my lane. Amen, I love that because I think people can get, these great ideas and say, I want to do this and I want to pursue right. that and not be called. Right. And for that purpose, they are running around, spinning their wheels, wondering why the puzzle pieces are not fitting, why they're not having success, exactly. why their relationships are being strained. But I, I know from my own experience and you're a, a testimony to that as well, that when you do what God has divinely created for you that he has another so many more blessings there on the other side here you were thinking that you were just going to do the event planning and you know throw in some photography and now using um these other uh business ventures that go hand in hand to really build your brand and offer kind of like a one-stop shop for event planning and services. And it's funny because I just had an event that I helped a young lady uh, promote in Corona about uh, last month, actually. And I saw you pop up in my feed again. You know, I, I think actually it was Justin. Oh, you know, we got a photo booth. I'm like, yes, I know y'all got a photo booth. <laughs> we don't need a photo booth. But I love that you guys were ready and just reaching out already. And I think that's something that makes you guys very visible because if you're, you know, not marketing or not, you know, having those, um, 
intimate relationships, you know, those, those genuine relationships with people, you know, you can sometimes get lost in the shuffle because there yep. are a lot of competitors out there. Um, unfortunately, what we've seen with the pandemic, one of the first industries to be hit was events because people could not um, gather. gather. Yep. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Like once, you know, the end of the middle or end of March hit and you probably had events down the line scheduled. Um, What were your thoughts going into this pandemic and and completely, you know, being shut down per se? So um, when it first started to hit, the beginning of the year is actually like what you kind of, in a sense, it's a slow season for event planners because most people um, go so hard for the holidays. So yeah. we do so many uh, events in, these, in between um, the end of November and all of December. We're doing so many events and kind of up until the New Year's because you're still kind of doing New Year's parties and stuff, but then it kind of gets dry. So when the pandemic first took off in March, I was kind of um, kind of in a resting zone, a resting peace. So I was like, this is good. This is good for, you know, for me. I get to rest. We not ripping and running every weekend. It was it was like it was it was um, beneficial for for my family, and then um, I started getting clients. All right, thinking like okay, so it's gonna kick off. We're gonna be out back able to go back into the world again. So we're planning away, planning away, in hopes that everything is gonna pick back up. So I had um, baby showers. Um, I had graduation parties all that kinds of stuff getting booked and, and, you know, people still, because we had never experienced anything like this before. So right. we, we took it really lightly. Like we were going to get our normalcy back and we didn't. So um, once I started getting things canceled um, and I was bored at that time, because it's been months now <laughs> and now I'm bored. Everybody feels your pain. We were all kind of getting bored. Yeah, I'm done. I'm bored. I am. I am well rested at this point. I have got my rest. And so um, I did a lot of a lot of praying. And and my one of my biggest prayers was God to give me a witty invention. Um, I was like, definitely my prayers were, you know, whatever God had for the world. Um, I wanted to be prepared. Then I felt that um, my prayers were so focused on, you know, is he coming back? Is the Lord coming back? Is the Lord coming back? That he started to shift my prayers to be prepared for um, a new season. Be prepared for a new season. And so that's kind of where all of this stuff just started flowing through me. And so one thing that God gave me that I acted on was um, a business called Cali Touch. And Cali Touch is my floral. I have a dry floral um, business that I started and I sell my products on Etsy. And so um, I had got books for an event where the theme was boho and that's pompous grass, that's dried palm fronds. And um, I had to look for these items and, and in my process of looking, it was, it was pricey. And I was like, there's no way that I can fit this into my budget. And the, and the, and the bride wanted so much of this for the decor. So I found myself um, really going in with like educating myself on where does this stuff grow? Um, I did a lot of research on Google. So, you know, once you look at stuff on Google, it pops up in your phone on Facebook all over, yeah. you know, suggested this and that. So that's kind of what happened. Um, on marketplace on Facebook, I started getting a lot of people locally that sell sell um, pompous grass, and I was like, "What?" Come to find out, I go to purchase some pompous grass, and this girl like sets me up with this guy, and she's like, "Oh yeah, there's a guy. He sells it for pretty cheap, and this stuff is expensive." So I go to him, and he's like, you know, filling me in on you know what to look for if you can you know find a, a field that that blooms pompous grass and stuff like that. And so little by little, I started noticing palm trees all around me that would just be just desolate on the streets. And I was like, listen, this stuff is growing all around me and I'm gonna go pay top dollar online. So it just sparked something in me. I told my husband one day we were in Palm Springs. I told him, I said, "Um, I'm gonna start selling palm fronds and I'm going to, I said, I'm all on 
Etsy and I'm all online and this stuff is literally $40 for one palm. I'm like, we live in California. I was like, and it grows everywhere. (laughs) So we literally, he looks, he's looking at me like, here she goes with these crazy ideas. This is totally out of our comfort zone. I'm not no gardener. I don't even cut the grass at home. So, you know, he's like, all right, okay. You're going to sell palm, palm, pompous grass and palm fronds. So we left the, um, we left the resort where we were staying and literally driving down the street. It's gardeners shedding palm leaves, putting them in the, in the shredder. And I'm like, there goes money right there. You see, I was <laughs> like, I'm going to drive back to Palm Springs and I'm going to have a connect with a gardener. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started getting those connections on marketplace. I was inboxing gardeners, asking them like to save that for me and I'll pick it up. So that's what I did. I went to Palm Springs one day through a connection um, with a gardener and I picked up over 50 palm palm leaves and um, I brought them home and him seeing it's like for him, he has to see the action or he's not going to be with the talk. He's not going to um, he's not going to meet me with my my craziness if um, he doesn't see me put the action to it. So he did not come with me to Palm Springs. Actually, his mom rolled with me and she's I'm a very optimistic person and 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 he, she's pessimistic and oh, she gosh. she's passed that off to him. So he's 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 pessimistic before he's optimistic, but once he sees me thriving in my what I'm doing, then he's very he's there with me. He's all on board. So all of that to say, um, m- my connections and everything fell in my lap um, by me doing the work. God just made all these connections just happen, you know. As hard as it was for me to find it, to purchase it, now I'm driving up the freeway. There's pompous grass everywhere. There's palm fronds everywhere. And so Cali Touch is a name that I came up with because all of my clients and people who want this are out of the state of California. So I felt like you can have a touch of Cali in another state, in your home. And so that's you know what it is. If you can see right here, this is some of my work with the palm palm fronds that I've created Beautiful. Um, and so I'm making wall arrangements um just whatever whatever it is and I sell it like I said I sell it on Etsy um, and you can ship that you have this to get one, a- this one no this one I have to um if you're local I can deliver it to you because this is so big and it's Large. shipping shipping is like no joke but the pompous grass yes I ship that all the time yeah I remember seeing Again, here we go. Callie Touch, another business from India McHorder. And I'm like, this girl is at it again. We are in a pandemic and it just blew my mind because again, from the outside looking in and hearing all of these stories, you know, from people and families that have been negatively impacted by the pandemic, um, watching you actually thrive and not just with Callie Touch, but you're still doing events. And like I said, I had an event that I helped coordinate for a friend. And so events are still happening, just not the way I think that we are used to them happening with such large scale. Um, A lot of the events are now outdoors, you know, social distancing is still a factor. Um, But, you know, I visited your social media and the, the, Uh, tablescapes and the decorations. I've seen those palm fronds. And actually, I was walking in my neighborhood um, a couple weeks ago, and I saw some growing out of a bush around the corner from my house. And I was like, I had never seen them in their natural habitat. Listen, and I said, this girl is selling this bush that is on the corner of my neighbor's house. That's, that's amazing to me, because you know, like you said, they were, the gardeners were basically throwing away money. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So to me, that's just amazing. What would you say to somebody out there um, that maybe is ex- experiencing some of this um, economic downturn and it's financially hurting their pockets as a entrepreneur who is, you know, constantly, um, 
rebranding yourself and coming up with new ideas, what's some advice that you would give somebody out there that's like, what do I do? Maybe they, maybe they were an event coordinator and, and their has their business has just completely dried up because of the niche that they had. I would say, um, I would say do the things that inspire you, that drive you. There's so many different things that we look at as a hobby, but it can turn into something that's lucrative. Um, Painting, my kids started painting during the quarantine and literally beautiful canvases and they want to sell them. There's there's hobbies, there's crafts, there's all kinds of stuff that we look at as um, something that passes time. Yeah, but yes, start a hustle. Like, don't go out of, you know, seeing somebody else and what they're doing. Um, I wouldn't say chase somebody else's thing. I would say do what you're comfortable in because it's going to be real. It comes with a story. You see how I was able to give you a story behind it? I didn't go somewhere that was totally out of my lane. This still came, this was produced out of me doing events. I needed this for an event. And it turned into something that I was able to do. And it's alongside of me being creative. So I could still, you know, I use it for events. Um, I can do all kinds of stuff. And it's still within my comfort zone and what I do. So I would say um, do what you're comfortable in. If it's a hobby, get some, step out on faith. Use your confidence, get some confidence or, or just trust yourself in your gut enough to just say, you know what, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to put something that gives me peace or something that I do in my pastime and I'm going to put it out there. There's so many things that we overlook as business ventures because it's, you know, it's no big deal to us. But once I just really, within this time, being able to have just peace and just quiet down, I was able to kind of just like repurpose and just look deep within, even with events. I have, um, of course, I have event planner, like a kind of like a community with other vendors and, and, and event planners. And I'm just talking on the phone with one of my good event planner friends, just like, girl, we have to come up with a solution. We have to come up with something. We have to reinvent the wheel in some way. And so one way that I, the very first thing that I did to in, reinvent or to tr- kind of try to keep myself busy was I started doing the drive-by parades for um, graduates. And um uh, one of my cousins is actually a counselor at a, uh, at a school in Los Angeles. And um, I had been decorating small events for the, for the high school with um, a back to school nights. Um, I did the winter formal. And so I was going to be doing their prom. And so that all got canceled. Yeah. So once I had like made a flyer about um, hiring me to do your graduates drive-by graduation, like a parade for them. Um, she reached out to me and said, is this something you think we can do for the high school? And they, it's a continuation school. So the school is not as large, but they have 40 graduates. So that's still pretty big. Financial. Yeah. So I did, I got booked for a few um, small intimate graduations for like kids out in the Inland Empire. And so she pitched it to her principal and we did this massive drive-by parade for 40 students, we drove all over LA delivering diplomas to people's front door. And so I hired a videographer. Um, we, we got lays created for the students. They had custom masks and it was just phenomenal. So I stayed in my comfort zone. I just had to reinvent the wheel. So there's stuff that people are doing. I mean, um, I know there's people who work at like the grocery store or, you know, um, maybe retail. So that's not really something that kind of falls into another lane um, as easy. Of course, you can, you know, come up with some type of way to do something, but it's not as easy as maybe something that they're already doing. But there's definitely a hobby, a craft, there's a niche, there's something. Or you get connected with other people who, you know, you see that are doing something amongst the pandemic and still being able to thrive. You reach out to people. I, uh, I would just encourage them to not get in a rut about it because life is going to be different from now on. And Definitely. I don't think we're gonna get, you know, this shutting down is gonna continue to trickle and trickle and trickle. And that might be the new normal for us where we get shut down and then we go back to normal and then we get shut down. So that might be the new normal for us. So um, I would just be like, you know, get woke just like really tap in you got to tap in because um time is not waiting on nobody 
bills got to be paid and life got to go on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something too, how you were saying that you sought the Lord in every season on what to do next, even with um, your relationship with your husband. I, I can only imagine that that wasn't easy to go through, but your obedience to his voice and continuing to follow the path that he was guiding you has led you precisely where you are today. And even still, the book that you guys came out with, Marriage Recovery, um, you know, talk a little bit about that. So we put the book out um, in February. We released it on the 29th, the leap year. That's when we did our book signing. And that was before the coronavirus was real, that we actually took it seriously. It was still yeah. like a myth, like, is this real or not? So um, we put the book out and we had, um, we had tour dates set up. We had... Um, we had different things that were in line for us to do with the book. And it just totally, you know, put a damper on our plans for it. But we were still able to do some Zooms and things like that. Um, the book was definitely something that um, came through our pain. I knew from the very first um, day that I found out that God was going to use this situation for somebody else. And so that's one thing that kept me from, um, from allowing the situation to um, change me, change my perspective, make it, uh, wanting me to quit. I had to fight for the, to help other people. And so I told Justin from the very beginning, like, we're going to write a book. This is going to be a book. So we, you know, I was documenting mentally, you know, for him, he was like, no way, because that was way too personal. That was way too embarrassing. You know, I'm not going to put my business out there, but the more we healed and the more we grew, um, much, we, we matured so much through that. We matured um, so much as people individually and then together. So um, he finally he agreed and we started we started a um, YouTube series first. And that's the very first time that he openly um, addressed it. And so um, before we even started writing the book, that's where we started with the YouTube. And he, we told our testimony on there and we got so much love and outpour from people like, you know, oh my God, we're going through the same thing. I would have never thought you got. So that kind of builds up and led us to be able to write the book and it just helped us to flow. But yes, so the book we put at the beginning of this year, 2020, and the pandemic just came and just killed the momentum just a little bit, but we just been keeping trying to, you know, keep it alive, you know, every now and then we'll post about it. And um, one thing that Justin, you know, wants me to do with um, all that I have going on is leave some space for him to be able to do and create with me. And so as busy as I am with all these other things, um, make marriage and all the things we do with it, um, writing a book, doing the podcast, doing the YouTube channel, all of that, you know, is a, that's our place together. And it allows us to still create and, and be able to have our, our, our time. And, and, and in, a, in a sense, it's our intimacy as well. Yeah. And the time for you guys to connect. I love that. Yeah. I was going to ask about the podcast. So essentially did the podcast come out of all of these different experiences and then, you know, having the interview with him on the YouTube. And then you guys said, you know what, let's start the podcast. Like, it seems like everything was a series of events leading <laughs> up to here you are today. So um, the very first thing, before I even, before the affair. So the, the, it was, it was, it was such a fast boom, boom, boom. Like we did not have years of trouble. We've never had a bad year in our marriage until that situation. And it was literally a one month incident that literally out of his weakness of, he got a promotion and um, got night, night hours and it changed, you know, his whole dynamics of you know, how we, our structure, our family dynamics was in the household. Um, 
out of that situation, it transpired into him falling away from his relationship with God and, you know, just doing things together. And before all of that, we started a date night with couples. And so, you know, when you do something, especially um, when it comes to doing something for God, when you step out and do something, the enemy is going to come after. And we we would hear people say that like, all right, like, you know, and that, that's, that's really, you know, we started a date night in 2017, January with a couples just going together once a month. And um, that was our very first venture in doing things for marriage. And three months later, boom, that happened. And I was like, whoa, it rocked, it rocked our world totally like flipped everything upside down. Um, there was so many different aspects to it. it you know, most people say infidelity and it's a point in the finger thing, but it was stuff I had to look at within myself, you know, where was I lacking in the marriage that I wasn't doing my part and the same thing with him. And we knew ultimately it was a spiritual setback. And so that's where we went harder and deeper and have real conversations and, and went there, we totally went there with conversations and as candid and open as possible. Um, Cause we've been together since we were 18. So we were kids and we basically grown up together. And that was just something that we had never dealt with as adults. You know, these certain conversations we just were not having, you know, certain things he was stronghold and dealing with that we just weren't, you know, like, you know, talking about. So it forced us to go there um, and we started the date night. Then that happened with our marriage. So then, you know, we worked on it. We went to counseling, we did the work. We grew together and then we started the YouTube channel. Boom, that's where McMarriage, the name of McMarriage came from. So we used to be called Date Night. Then it turned into McMarriage. And then um, we, we wrote the book and that was Marriage Recovery. And then boom, he was like, you know, we gotta keep, you know, we gotta keep, um, keep it fresh, keep it fresh. And so we were like, you know, I really wanted to start the podcast. And he was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that industry. He likes to stay where he's comfortable. You know, I told you he's pessimistic. He's not optimistic. So <laughs> I'm like, let's do this podcast. And he's like, I don't know. He has a friend who has a, a studio. And because he saw he saw his friend doing the podcast, it, his is more of a virtual podcast than it is an online thing or, you know, through Spotify or, or, or Apple. His is more of online. So because he saw that it can be done, he was a little bit more open to it. So we went down there. We checked out the studio. We told his friend our vision and he was like, let's just try it out and we'll see if we like it or not. And he loved it because we were able to be ourselves. Nothing about it is scripted. We just have a topic and we boom, we dialogue about it. It's like we're doing right now. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, you know, it's out of totally out of my comfort zone because I grew up, like I, we already discussed, I'm the second to the youngest of five of us. I was totally frightened by um, public speaking. Mm. Totally. Like, that's not my thing at all. I well, I, I've listened to the podcast and Justin seems very comfortable. He oh, gets no, real he chatty. A rapper. He raps. <laughs> that's how we met. He was a rapper. So that yeah. is his thing. But he was more intimidated by the, I guess, the, um, he was intimidated by, I guess, the equipment and all that it takes, you know, uploading it here. And, you know, he was like, I don't know that stuff. So because he didn't know it, he didn't want to go there. But once he did it now, he got it all. He got it all figured out. So, yeah, well, he seems very much so in his element. If you yep. ever uh, want to check out their podcast, it's Mick Potish. Mick Potish. Yes, yes. And so I'll be dropping all of the links where our audience can follow you and Justin. Um, check out Cali Touch, which I have seen some of those arrangements. They are beautiful. And um, I'll make sure that everybody knows where to find you. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we're actually going to backtrack just a little bit and talk about how we met because there's an interesting testimony that I wanna share with the listeners that, you know, you, you mentioned you're a wife and a mother. 
And so we don't want to leave that part out of the interview for the mothers out there that may be in the same situation or have that same testimony. Like you said, when you shared your testimony about your marriage and even sharing tonight, it's connecting with somebody out there. And so I believe that there is a young woman out there that is going to hear your testimony and see all of the things that you have done with your life in just a short period of time and be encouraged. So stick with us and we will come right back to you guys. Hey guys, we are back with India McHorter. I hope that you have been enjoying her testimony. Before we go, there is a short story that we want to uh, reveal uh, one of the most wonderful things I think about this young lady is her resilience and I will let her tell her story about how we met and I'll kind of chime in my thoughts um, but yeah uh, India go ahead and tell them how we met <laughs> um, so I met Ginger in 2006 we met, she might've known who I was before then, but when I remember her is at a church sleepover. So it was for all girls. Um, at the time I was 17 and I was five months pregnant, 17 and five months pregnant um, with my first daughter. And um, at the sleepover, it was just like the most intimate thing. Um, I, I believe it was at the sleepover that I rededicated my life to Christ. Um, and so I remember just the night just being just so phenomenal, um, spirit filled. And um, I think you were actually in my circle when we were in one of the rooms to pray. Girl, I don't remember. I do. <laughs> I remember that night so thoroughly because I'm glad one of us does. The very next day, uh, my daughter's father, he was arrested and he's been in jail ever since. Oh, wow. wow. So that whole everything about it is just like so like ingrained in my memory because it was just so traumatic. It was just so much going on that um, I remember everything vividly. So, yes, we were grouped off and you were my partner in prayer and we were speaking in tongues and everything in one of her, one of the rooms in the house and I just it just was so like I would never forget the night um, it was just so intimate that's interesting that you have like you said like such an experience that happened the day after that kind of recalls to your memory the night before um, one thing that I remember about you being pregnant was that it was kind of like this big shocker because your mother is quite well known in the church that uh, we had, you know, you had grown up in. And I had never heard somebody really give a testimony about hearing the voice of God. And she went up on stage and said that the Holy Spirit told her that you were pregnant. And I was like blown away. And I was like, it's like, really? And then I, at that time, I really didn't know who you were. But then at the uh, sleepover, that was when I got to meet you. And um, ever since then, like I said, I had just been knowing who you were, but kind of from a distance, because that was really our only like real interaction, because I think there's a little bit of an age gap between us too. Right. So I think even in that group, I, I might have even graduated to the next, you know, age group of the women and you were still with some of the younger women. But um, yeah, so you were how old when you became pregnant for the first time? I was, I was 17. And then um, my birthday is in October and then February, I turned 18. Wow. And so one thing that I mean, what what's going through your mind at 17 when you find out that you're pregnant? And and did you you didn't come openly to your mom? She she discovered it, like she said, by the Holy Ghost. So tell <laughs> us about that, you know, reaction. Yes. So um, 17, I was a junior in high school. Um, the whole experience was 
in a sense, you know, going through rebellion, um, wanting to, you know, prove the guy that I'm with is, you know, who I want to be with and, you know, the whole going back and forth with your mom. And I was growing up, yeah, all of that. I wasn't, um, I was not a rebellious, I was a sneaky child, especially if you hear from my mom, I was, I was more sneaky, but I wasn't, um, like a combative. I didn't, we didn't argue. I wasn't disrespectful. I didn't talk back. So it was just all around. It was just such a, um, life changing for all of, all of my family. Um, and so we got my mom, she um, just noticed, I guess, my demeanor in the house and things like that. Um, and so she just came to me, I guess, whatever inkling and whatever the Lord had put on her heart, you know, she just came to me and just, you know, have you been having sex? And then I think I just looked at her. <laughs> and um, I don't, I think she says, I think I when I just looked at her, I want to say she just said, are you pregnant? And then I, I think I shrugged my shoulder like I didn't know. And so <laughs> I said, yeah, at that point I was two and a half months pregnant. So I, I totally knew I was pregnant. Um, and so she has my older sister go and get a um, pregnancy test. And so of course I take the test and I'm pregnant and it's just, everybody's crying. My mom's screaming. And it just was, it was, it was a lot. It was a whole lot. It was embarrassing for my mom and dad because my older sister, she got pregnant at a young age. So here I am the second one. And she just felt like, you know, I think she felt let down. Like she just couldn't do anything right when it came to her girls. And here we are, you know, her second, another girl got pregnant. And so it was a lot. It was a lot for our family. Um, a lot of change. I am the type of person though, when I am, like I've already stated, when I'm hit with um, any type of, I would say hardship or some type of form of, um, yeah, I would say hardship. I would say that it, it puts me in a whole nother gear as a person where it just makes me fight and to prove that, um, I won't fail. I can, I can make this through. And the fighter in me just comes out. And so in that case, I, that's what happened. Um, by the time I had her, I was a senior in high school and I was able to um, finish the, the same school. I was an honor student. So that's what I'm saying. It was just not in my character. It was a, just a period of rebellion. And um, with me being one of the younger, you know how they say like the youngest, the parents kind of let up. And, you know, they go really hard on their older ones. Their and once they get to the last ones, you know, you know, they get to do more. It's like more free, to, you know, with the lenient on the rules and the restrictions. And get so that with everything. Totally, totally. You know, me and my little brother, we was running the town and, you know, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. And so I guess, you know, to my parents, you know, them letting up on the rain for us kind of came back and bit them in the butt because, um, I was just out there doing my thing and being just as rebellious as I wanted to be. But boom, it kicked me back into gear once I had her. And now I got the fighter mode on and I'm going to prove everybody I'm not going to be a statistic and, and I'm not going to be on welfare. And so by the time I graduated high school, I had honors. I was able to finish um, my senior year with only three classes because I was able to leave school early because I had all the, the my GPA was great. I had all the credits that I needed. I was leaving school by uh, lunchtime. I didn't have to stay. I would leave. I had a job. I had my daughter in daycare. I had a car. Um, and before I graduated high school, I moved out of my parents' house and I had my own apartment. So that's just the type of mindset and attitude that just keeps me going. Um, I get a lot of no's. My, my parents were, you know, very, I would say a lot harder on me, not even just my parents. Life is all around has been more of a trial for me than it has been. Like I said earlier too, I didn't know what I wanted to do where all my siblings had all of their gifts and talents just boom laid out for them from an early age. And so for me, it's just more has been more of a struggle and a fight and it's caused me to have this resilience. And so something like the pandemic, I'm just, I just kick into another gear and I kick into another mode to fight and, and to, to, you know, 
use that side of the brain where it gets me to just create and and to just produce. Yeah, I I commend you. I think that is a beautiful characteristic to have. And like I said, that is one reason why I have just been watching you with just this awe and this admiration for how you would think that becoming pregnant at such a young age, which you know, we talked about it before. There's nothing new under the sun. People been having babies at young ages since the beginning of time, you know, but I think in the circumstances, particularly being in the church and, you know, feeling, um, you know, people can make you feel ashamed. And then it's like, oh, you, you've fallen from grace and all of these things, you know, but watching your life over the years, I just feel like you have really, um, blossomed from all of the different life experiences that have come at you. And so that is why I wanted to have you on as a guest, because I am so inspired by just, like I said, every time I, you pop up in my feed, I'm like, wow, this girl's got another, another thing. Another, it's another thing. It's another thing. And so I just, um, I appreciate you coming on tonight and sharing your story. If you are interested out there in learning more about McMarriage, McPottish, uh, <laughs> Cali Touch, again, all of these uh, amazing businesses that India and her husband, this empire that they have built, please go back to the notes on this episode. I'll be uploading all of the links where you can find her. And yeah, is there any last words that you want to say to encourage somebody else out there? Oh, I want to just um, encourage everybody to know that um, well, this, this podcast is geared towards mothers and, and wives and women. So I just want to encourage you guys to know that um, there's nothing that's too great for you to overcome everything that obstacle that is given to us that God says in his word that um he doesn't put more on us than we can bear and so just hearing a little bit of what I've said and 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 shared with you tonight Ginger herself has an awesome testimony as well you know I'm pretty sure you've been interviewing women with beautiful testimonies just listen to her podcast I want to encourage you to tap in with other like-minded women and wives and mothers um, and to just know that you can do it. There's nothing too great. There's nothing too hard for you to overcome. And your story is not just for you. It's for other people. So share your story. All right. Well, there you have it, everyone. India McHorter, thank you for visiting with us tonight. And hopefully we'll have you on the show again down the line when you come up with something new All again. Right. <laughs> I look forward to that. That sounds like a All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today on the Tripod Mom podcast. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share. Thanks again. And hopefully we'll see you again here on the Tripod Mom.